Hey everybody, I'm Chuck Esposito, he's Jason McCormick, that is Teaser, and this is another episode of uh, Bookends. Last week, Jay, you know, we talked about the dogs barking in week one. He was a little quiet last week, but we educated the guests on teasers, and guess what? Most of the teasers came in. Most. Uh, I think just about all of the teasers came in. We didn't very get very many underdogs in week two. Um, I think the Raiders were our only underdog. If you take out that uh, Rams. Maybe the Eagles, Rams, yeah. Rams-Eagles was, uh, you know, Eagles a favorite, moved to Rams to favorite, and then back to the Eagles to favorite. But if we throw that game out, um, I think we're 15-1 and one <laughs> with the uh, favorites winning their games. So a lot of people cash in their money line parlays. Right. A lot of people cash in their teasers. Um, and we said it going into the week. It was going to be a tough week yeah. if we didn't get one of those underdogs. And sure enough, uh, couldn't happen. Yeah, uh, for me, I kind of like it when Teaser's barking a little bit, you know, but he was uh, a little too quiet for, for our liking from our side of the counter. But as you said, a lot of people are cashing tickets. Really good uh, weekend f- uh, for the betters. Uh, we're going to turn to week three right now, and we're going to touch on, you know, probably a half dozen of, of the best games of the week. I think the first one is really that, that Raiders-Patriots game. Uh, it's an early game. Raiders come off that huge win on Monday Night Football. The new stadium, the hype, the atmosphere. It was crazy. It was so cool. Just I wish we could have been there. Um, but the Raiders played well. I think you look at uh, uh, Weller, at, Weller at tight end, uh, Jacobs at running back, those young receivers of Edwards and Ruggs haven't really kind of taken off yet, um, but offensively they look like a much better team. They come off that emotional win, they have to travel across country to play the Patriots, although the Patriots lost on Sunday night. I thought Cam Newton looked pretty good um, in that game. Uh, he had over 300 yards passing. He looked kind of like the Cam of old. I think it's a big test for the Raiders uh, flying back across country on yeah, Sunday morning. I mean, obviously a huge win. Uh, they didn't look good to start. Uh, Breeze and the Saints looked really, really good. Obviously, without Michael Thomas, um, I think as the game went on, Drew Breeze kind of looked human, uh, wasn't superhuman in the game. Uh, bad interception. Uh, Saints had a lot of bad penalties, a lot of key penalties on, on third downs. They've actually had over 100 yards in penalties, yep. both game one and game two. So they're one of the most penalized teams in the league right now. But Derek Carr was exceptional on third down, and obviously we saw Waller go off. And, you know, we talked about it two weeks ago that you're going to know Darren Waller's name by the end of this season. He's going to be up there with the Kittles and Kelseys um, from a tight end, top tight end of the league standpoint. Right. Um, yeah, tough spot here. A, a huge emotional win for the Raiders. Now go going to New England. Um, after what they have to feel kind of blew an opportunity to beat Seattle in Seattle. Uh, played really, really well. Um, we talked about how good we think this Seattle offense is and how unstoppable Russell Wilson is, and he showed it again, and yet the Patriots were able to stay in that game. Um, so the Patriots are a six-point favorite here over the Raiders. Um, I think that this is going to be a, a big game, um, and we'll see if, uh, if the Raiders can do it again on the road. Right. I mean, I like their offense, too. Defensively, they're still giving up some points. I think you were kind of kind to Drew Brees. I think you look at Brees and, and Rivers and Brady, they're all showing a little bit of that age, I think, so far. Still looking for those guys to kind of get untracked. Well, um, you just wonder how much... You know, Michael Thomas is his guy. It is, his, yeah. his His 100-plus reception receiver. He just didn't look comfortable in the pocket, though. He didn't look like that same Drew Brees. He wasn't stepping up a lot. Uh, he was throwing off his back foot. He just looked uncomfortable to me. But We'll see if he can find it this week against the Packers. Uh, now a big NFC game we're going to jump in, and, and that's the Bears and Falcons. Uh, Bears are 2-0. and uh, Both games have been ugly. The opposition has had the ball inside the 20 with the last 30 seconds to go and had chances to win. DeAndre Swift drops the ball against Detroit. They probably should have lost. And I'm not sure how the Giants were even back in that game. Uh, Santos misses the 50-yard field goal, gives the Giants great field position. They almost come down and win that game. Atlanta, 0-2. 
They just find ways to lose. I mean, you look at the numbers they put up in week one. A lot of it was in garbage time coming back against Seattle. And that hands team and the onside kick, I mean, Arthur Blank said it's obvious our hands team didn't know the rules of an onside kick. That's hard to believe in this league, especially now when no teams are able to get that running start or recover onside kicks. The success rate is really, really low. Bears 2-0, Falcons 0-2, Julio's a little bit banged up. They can score offensively. I think kind of a big road test for the Bears. This number's hovered around three. It wouldn't surprise me to see it drop maybe a little bit by kickoff. Yeah, and you look at um, the Bears kind of um, made the big comeback against the Lions and then were able to face the Giants uh, You know, after Barkley goes out with the injury. so Barkley, Shepard, they were playing really down Potentially two um, of, of the softer opponents that they've been able to get to 2-0 record. And, and obviously Atlanta has play, faced two NFC juggernauts in the Cowboys and uh, – Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks. Right. Um, now, they stormed out to that huge lead and then allow, allowed Dallas to come back in. And we saw a huge move on the Falcons this week. A um, lot of money on the Falcons in that game um, with all the guys on IR for Dallas. Uh, but, yeah, this is, a, this is a matchup that could be uh, troublesome for the Bears, especially if Jones finds a way to get that hamstring healthy by game time. Ridley's been somewhat unstoppable. Gage, too. They really have three receivers that have played so well. And, and all they, they lost Austin Hooper. Hayden Hurst has stepped right in and, and really added another piece to that offense for Matt Ryan. Yeah. And, Matt, and that's that's the key. Matt Ryan is um, obviously Jones and, and Stafford have their weapons, but Matt Ryan in this offense put it at another level, and going on the road to Atlanta is never an easy place to play, even without the fans. Oh, they have given up a lot of points defensively in two weeks now, over 30 points to both Seattle and Dallas. So if you're looking at Mitchell Trubisky and that Bears offense, they haven't scored a lot. This is a game they're going to have to score some points, I think, to stay in the game. But kind of an interesting matchup for both teams. Atlanta goes to 0-3. You might start hear that chatter again about Quinn, and if the Bears go to 3-0, and maybe they're a little bit better than we thought they were when the season started. Um, and the next game, I think you can make a case that this might be the, the game of the week, not including the primetime games, and that's the 2-0 Rams against the 2-0 Bills. The Rams look eerily similar to what we saw two years ago when they played on that first Sunday in February, although they lost that game. Um, Goff looks to be a lot more comfortable right now. Robert Woods is involved. Uh, Tyler Higby at tight end. Defensively, man, with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, they are just stout. And now they're playing against the Bills team that that offense, he's thrown for over 300 yards, Josh Allen, in both games. You added Zach Moss at running back, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and, um, and John Brown. They've got some weapons around Josh Allen and a really good defense. I think this is a great game. Uh, the Rams are uh, a little under a field goal underdog in this game. We'll see if uh, Teaser's barking about this one. But to me, this is the marquee Sunday game. Yeah, this is the morning game that you kind of got circled with the, both of them being 2-0. and I, Again, I wonder the same thing here about the Bills. Um, um, we've seen them have success. However, that success was against the Jets and the Dolphins. And you wonder, can they parlay that and, and do that against a, a Ram team? That I like is getting, the word parlay in there. You That's know, a... uh, played, uh, you know, the Eagles and, and obviously the Cowboys. Um, Eagles obviously banged up. I think the one thing that's a little bit interesting this game, again, talking about the Bills playing two of the softer opponents and now kind of taking up a step up in class to the Rams, is the Rams with the COVID stuff having to go to Philadelphia, go back home, and then travel back to Buffalo for a 10 a.m. game. So um, this is an interesting spot for the Rams, see if how, the, how they handle that travel. Um, but we'll see if Buffalo's for real and if Josh Allen's for real uh, in this matchup. They've looked so good the first couple of weeks. I mean, I, I like Allen. I kind of like his, his moxie and that confidence. I mean, he goes back to that 
Thanksgiving game against Dallas last year when he had that big play on fourth down, when he when he fumbled the ball, picked it up, and dove over the pile. I think he gained the team's respect, but I think it's a big test well, for they, both these know, two teams. John Brown's been fantastic for them. Diggs has done his job. They've got the two-headed monster at running back. I think from the Rand standpoint, we've seen two weeks now where they've had kind of a different superstar take over. We saw Higby have the right. big game and three yeah. touchdowns in week two. We saw Malcolm Brown really dominate the it's running Henderson, game in week Brown, one. Henderson, Brown, Acres, they've got three yeah, running if, backs if they're going to get Malcolm Brown, I mean, it's going to. It looks like he's going to play. Could be a lot of Henderson here in in this week. And again, we'll see if Woods or you know those receivers step up. Uh, Like I said, the Rams have kind of come with a different game plan each week, um, and they've got the weapons to do that. Both Woods and Cooper Cup have been a little bit quiet. It's really been on the ground and Higby, but they do have some weapons as well. Uh, Now we're going to look at what I think is the best late game of the day, and that's the the Seahawks and Cowboys. Cowboys should be 0-2. They're lucky they're 1-1. One one. Seahawks are 2-0 and oh. offensively. They are just unbelievable. I mean, there's a lot of talk now that uh, Russell Wilson is the, the betting favorite for MVP, and he should be. I mean, geez, that guy is just unbelievable. He's so creative. He doesn't miss. Um, you look at his completion ratio, it's unbelievable. DK Metcalf is just a star right now. He toyed with the defensive player of the year, uh, Gilmore, in that game and just just outplayed him. You've got um, you've got just a talented team. You've got Lockett on the other side. Carson's playing well. Defensively, though, I worry about them a little bit. Their best pass rusher, Bruce Irvin, tore his ACL. He's out for the year right now. And a Cowboy team that has a lot of weapons. We know that you know, you've know you got Elliott, you've got Prescott, you've got Lamb, Gallup, and Cooper. They've been kind of underachieving a little bit. They had to come back in that game and really exercise all of that offense. I think there's a little value on the Cowboys this week getting points because I think defensively, they're a little bit better. But under Dak Prescott the last two years, they have not been good on the road, and they have not been good against teams that had winning records, and this is the case. But I think it's a great afternoon game. It's a great matchup, and I think it's one of those matchups of who, who has the ball last. I mean, the fact that these quarterbacks have just been scoring uh, like crazy. Dax Prescott, you know, that offense puts up 40. This, you said it. The, these teams have all the weapons in the world. This game can go... Uh, Offensively, it's a great prop uh, prop and, game. And you're not going up to Seattle and playing, you know, in that 12th man. It was actually Sunday night in the Patriots when they were pumping in that sound. You know, I'm like, Where the, where's that sound? It was a fraction from? of what yeah, it could they're, be. They're though. able to pump right. in the pumping a little bit of the audio, but you're not getting the full blown. But again, what a, what a great matchup. Uh, it's got a really really high total um, as expected because you just expect these offenses to go up and down the field on each other. It's tough on some of these big games for us to keep it under. I mean, we look at games so many times that look like a dead under, and this is scoring happens late with these two teams. You're right it might be the team that has the ball last I think it's a a much bigger game though for Dallas because McCarthy had a questionable call he didn't go for the field goal against the Rams he chose to go for two against Atlanta which almost put him in a bad spot I don't think he's made great decisions they got lucky to win that game at 0-2 that there would have been some problems with Jerry Jones in Dallas the the NFC West every game is a big game because there's nobody that's lost a right. game in the NFC. They're West. really good. All four teams are two and zero. Um, and well, the Niners are one one. They lost well, to the Cardinals. Right. Yeah, that's right. right. So, but, but I mean, it's going to be important. Right. That, that Cardinals, Rams, and Seahawks are, are kind of battling it out, and they're sitting in a good situation. Obviously, the Cardinals are you know a six point favorite over the Lions, and and so uh, you know the Seahawks are going to be in a, in a battle to uh, to get to win that division. Right. Now we're going to touch on the two primetime games. I know that there's a few teams in the NFC, like like Seattle especially, might have something to say about this. But you look at the game Sunday night. It's the Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints. 
you can make a case that this could be a preview, although it's only week three, of what we might be seeing in the NFC Championship game. Uh, the Saints did lose that game to, uh, to the Raiders. Michael Thomas probably won't play in this game. Devontae Adams is a little bit banged up. Packers come into this game 2-0. Rodgers, five touchdowns week one. Aaron Jones had the big game in week two. Rodgers definitely has that chip on his shoulder. He's got MVS now um, in the mix. He's got Lazard. He's got some other guys, young receivers. Devontae Adams is his guy like Michael Thomas is Breeze's guy, but I think this is a great game on Sunday Night Football. And again, I know it's early, but this easily could be a preview of what we see in late January. Yeah, Rodgers and the Packers were able to actually embarrass two divisional opponents in the in the Lions and Vikings in their two matchups. Uh, you know, so Aaron Jones running the ball the way he is and catching the ball into the backfield, and now you add that aspect to what you know Rodgers can do with going down the field. And I think the big thing for the Packers is, again, that defense. We talked about, you know, they've always had that threat on offense, but they... They were never able to really stop anybody. Right. Um, and now they're now they're getting those key stops. Again, against two softer potential opponents, the Vikings. They did trail bad. Detroit by double yeah. digits and ended up ultimately winning that game. You know, but again, this Saints team, again, a, a big Monday night, a tough, you know, we talked about the three um, teams that were opening new stadiums. The Raiders opening a new stadium, the Rams opening a new stadium, and the Chargers opening that same new stadium. And all three of those teams played really, really well. Two of the three and won outright and, yeah, won, the, and all three covered. The Chargers, right. you know, they, they almost beat the, they almost knocked off the Chiefs in that game and, and no one expected that as they were a nine-point underdog and they lose their quarterback in warm-ups. So, um, again, that playing in a new stadium maybe is something to back, uh, put in the memory banks for when a new stadium opens uh, here anytime in the near future, that uh, a home opener is a right. is a great spot for for that home team. Unless you're Anthony Lynn and you, you want to kick the ball to uh, Patrick Mahomes but uh, in overtime, but uh, just had to throw that out but there. But no, another, again, it's another game that Packers right. Saints, another game with how do you how do you keep these games under? <laughs> you it just don't. looks like an over game that these teams are are going to go up and down the field on each other, and um, you know it's got to come maybe come down to some penalty calls or some bad turnovers or something like that uh, that decides the game. Well, we, we mentioned it earlier, but when you say penalty calls, again, the team that's the most penalized team in the NFC right now is the Saints. That's kind of uncharacteristic for a Sean Payton team. They seem a little bit uncharacteristic with all the the penalties and 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 kind of putting themselves in a bad position. And if Michael Thomas doesn't play, they need to stay away from those penalties because it'll hurt against a team uh, like Green Bay. But it's a great matchup. Oh, yeah, the, the king of taking care of the uh, offsides. Oh, uh, Rodgers. He'll, yep. he'll go deep yep. on you every yep. time. He definitely will. Uh, now the Monday night game, which is, God, I mean, it's week three, and we've got Chiefs-Ravens on Monday night football. I mean, it's phenomenal. I know we talked about it a few weeks ago, like depending on what happened through the first couple of weeks, what would the number be here? I think both teams have looked good, but I think the Ravens have looked a little bit better. I think Lamar Jackson has even become more of a pocket passer. He's get, He gets Mark Andrews involved. He gets uh, uh, Malcolm Hollywood Brown invo- involved, or they are just, or Marquise Hollywood Brown. They look so good. I mean, those running backs, Dobbins, Edwards, Ingram, and defensively, they are much better. And uh, it might come down to maybe a guy by the name of Tucker, uh, or uh, a guy by the name of uh, the Chiefs kicker. <laughs> well, Harrison Butker. Butker, right? Know, yeah, hit, hit uh, two Both, yeah. yarders to. Uh, to beat that Chargers, uh, so yeah, again, it's a tale of who's going to have both the, those kickers. I mean, yeah, tale of potentially who's going to have the ball last. Obviously, you know they have a common opponent already this year, so you can look at um, the Chiefs knocked off the Texans. I think it was thirty-four to twenty, right. and then a 
33 to 16. Poor Texans, right? What a way this, to start. This week. So, I mean, you know, they both kind of beat up on the Texans. Um, you know, this is it's an incredible matchup this early. In the, <laughs> How do we keep season. this one under? Yeah, no, right. they're, they're going to have the ball go back and forth. I think you're right that the, the Ravens have looked a little bit more dominant. Um, I think all you can look at is this past game with the Chiefs that, you know, didn't have a ton of success against that Charger defense. Um, were able to come back late and, and win that game. And I think that's what is the reason why we're seeing three, three and a half on the Ravens is just people remember what they saw last. Right. All we've seen is the Ravens dominate and maybe the Chiefs, you know, slow down a little bit. But we talked about it last week that this was a classic look ahead situation. Oh, yeah. You know, for the Chiefs as a, you know, a nine point favorite that they can go into LA, win that game and maybe not have a, a full offense and maybe do a little bit more vanilla offense to not give a whole lot of tape to the Ravens uh, to show them a lot of stuff. So, uh, yeah, Monday night, I mean, this is, this is a, AFC championship preview. I think both these games, the Sunday night and Monday night game, are, are both previews of what we could see if both teams kind of stay healthy. I think we have to look at some kind of cool props with Budkirk and, uh, and 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 Tucker. I think it, it, how much fun would that be? I mean, you think about what, what the Chiefs did. I mean, three. I mean, he made a 58-yarder earlier in the game. He kicked two 58-yarders to win it um, after the penalty, and actually a third. Well, a 53-yarder yard, penalty, and then 58 twice with the timeout. So yeah, it's and we been, had, uh, you know, talking about props, is we we put up about 40 uh, props just on the Raiders, Raiders guys game great. in the yeah, Monday night great. game. I think we had another, you know, half a dozen or so on the Saints guys, which, which was a little bit tougher with Michael Thomas being out. But, um, you know, we really uh, jumped up that prop menu. We're going to do that again this week on the Raiders games, add a lot of props for the Raiders-Patriot game, and we'll do the same for the Monday night game as well. So, uh, the, obviously, there's no lack of offensive <laughs> right. superstars on both these teams, so it should be a lot of fun having all those props. Just real quick, in case anybody's like, what exactly are props? They really are the, the game within the game, where maybe you don't like one of the two sides, but you like a specific player to gain over a certain amount of yards or get over a certain amount of receptions or or touchdowns, kind of similar to what we do for that uh, big game in February. There's so many props on the Super Bowl. We've kind of piggybacked off that and done it with the Golden Knights in hockey, and now we're doing the same thing with kind of the primetime games or when the Raiders play. Yeah, and we're really looking at, you know, even basketball, hockey, and, and a lot of the football, you know, looking at certain players and how many yards they're going to have rushing or receiving or passing, or will they score goals, or how many points they're going to score, or how many rebounds they're going to have. So, Really, we've expanded that prop menu greatly, and it's on the app and over the counter. Just to look under your 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 sport category, and you'll find the prop section. And we've kind of touched on pro football now, guys, and this is kind of the biggest week we've had so far in college football. Uh, the Big 12 returns. There's a lot more games on the on the wagering menu than there was before. It's kind of fun to look up there and see a couple of pages of college football opposed to the eight or ten games we've had the last few weeks. Yeah, it's. I mean, we've kind of highlighted the ACC a little bit here and some Sun Belt action and some Conference USA action and American football, but we're finally getting the SEC uh, on the board and, and a little bit more bigger of the Big 12 schedule. So I really look at it. This is uh, really the first week of college football. Absolutely. You see the Alabamas and Georgias and Auburns on the board so uh, really excited about Saturday and don't forget we'll have all, our, all of our parlay cards available on Friday and all the college games are on there too so it's kind of a cool thing this weekend to add that uh, now we're going to look at pro basketball I mean uh, I'll be your hero right I mean <laughs> unbelievable I mean you know only I think he's the uh, players under the age of 20 to score that many points in a postseason game he's second to Magic Johnson yeah it was a I short mean, list of like five oh my guys god yeah I think uh, Rose was on that list Jalen Rose uh, uh, um, Magic Johnson and I, I can't remember the last the player that was on I think Jennings from the from the Bucks was on that list but unbelievable the performance last night and Miami's up 3-1 um, they can hit Butler's been been really good but you look at the way they play defense it's been really really impressive 
Oh, and, and you're talking about Tyler Hero. We didn't right. Um, you know, putting up 37 points was absolutely Great. outstanding. He really dominated the game. Um, the Heat have done it. You know, kind of uh, four-headed monster now that you're adding Hero into the into the scoring mix on a nightly basis with Butler, um, Abendeo, and you know they've just been. But Abendeo can play D too. I mean, I still look at that block, and to me, that that kind of changed the whole thing for yeah. them. I mean, defensively, they are really stout, and if they do move on, I think it'll be interesting because they're so defensive-minded. I think they're the best defensive team of the four teams that are left. Yeah, and these games have been so... I mean, Miami's up 3-1, but they've really been close games. It's a shot here, a turnover here. You know, I don't know that Boston's out of it. Um, Jason Tatum played an absolutely incredible second half after scoring zero points in the first half to get them back in the game. Uh, but it's really a bucket here, a bucket there, and then they, they kind of open it up. Even, you know, at the tail end of that game, a missed free throw or, right. or something like that, and, and uh, Boston's able to sneak back into this. So uh, both these teams are playing at a really, really high level. Like I said, it's it's just come down come down to who's making the key buckets, and uh, we'll see if the Heat can close it out. Mm-hmm. Toughest game to, toughest right. game yeah, to win I mean, is that closeout game. You know, we've seen Denver come back from 3-1 down to Utah and 3-1 down to the Clippers and come back and win those series. So we'll see if uh, Boston can do the same thing. Now we're going to look out west. Um, you look at the Lakers up 2-1. Denver gets back into this series with a win the other night. Um, it's been kind of interesting, this series. I mean, it's almost been the prototypical zigzag where the Lakers win the first two games. Money came in on Denver in Game 3. They're able to win that game. So it's going to be interesting now, knowing that they're down 2-1. They were down 3-1 in the last two series before they came back. What do you think is going to happen in this series? Well, this is... Uh... This is a this is familiar territory. Um, game four, um, up two to one. The Lakers have, were in this exact situation against Portland in, in their first series and Houston in their second series, um, and of course won Game four in both of those series. I think by an average of fifteen points. So they had a three one series lead after winning Game four both times in their first two series. And the Nuggets. We know that they came back from one to three deficits. So against the Jazz and the Clippers, they were down two to one in both of those series and lost game four to go down one to three and then came back and won the series. So, you know, if the picture has been painted, um, this they're is, comfortable being yeah, down three this one. Is a, this right. is a great spot for the Lakers. But, you know, this Nuggets team, again, they they're they could have won game two that they shot to win it. They really dominated game three and the Lakers had a huge comeback in that fourth quarter. Um, but this Nugget team is not afraid. Uh, their, their two-headed monster has been right. absolutely yep. fantastic. And I, I think that it's, you know, the, the, the two big guys for the Lakers versus the two big guys for Denver, they're kind of canceling each other out. And then it's these other pieces of the puzzle on who can have a big game um, can lead to that big night. Right. No, it's definitely been fun to watch. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, now we're going to move over to the ice. Um, you know, we, Tampa Bay has a big win last night. Uh, they're now up 2-1 in that series. Stamkos is back. He only plays a few shifts, but he scores a goal, which is, you know, yeah, crazy. It was, it was the big return. Stamkos right. hadn't played a hockey game since February 25th. Um, hadn't what a boost it. for that team, though. Just you know, a kind of an emotional back. boost. Yeah, and then, and then his, I think it was his second shift on the ice he, he scores a goal and you just saw that bench just go absolutely nuts um not only did it uh, you know give them a two to nothing lead but to watch their inspirational captain leader get back on the ice and score a goal and then you know he didn't come back he only played about five shifts in that first period and then didn't come back for the second and third period so don't know exactly what what happened there but again it was a huge lift we'll see what happens in game four i i thought that there was some interesting uh tidbit about right, we this, talked about this, it, right? uh, yeah. this series is that um, don't know how far back it goes, but I saw a stat that when the Stanley Cup has been tied one to one, and the loser of Game Three has actually come back to win four of the last five times that this situation has occurred. So don't write the stars. That's off the yet. case, right? You know, I think that uh, the momentum is clearly on the side of Tampa with winning two straight, and I thought that 
again, from that first game, the game that the Stars won, was a, a bad spot for the Lightning and the fact that um, Dallas had had two days of rest. The Lightning had only day, had one day of rest with the way the, the series had worked out. So Stars were in a great spot in that game one and now have lost uh, you know, the back-to-back. So uh, the Lightning have the momentum. Uh, they might be the better team, but uh, can't count the Stars out. Well, I think when you look at the Lightning last year, uh, they had the most points and they got beat in the first round of the playoffs. This year, only uh, they, they were second uh, only to Boston with the most points in the Eastern Conference. So I think there's a lot of pressure on that team. I think we talked about them as this kind of Eastern Conference juggernaut under Cooper, who this current group had never won a cup yet. So, you know, they're a very talented team. Getting Stamkos back is big. It was kind of a strange game for Dallas because they their their MO is more dump and chase, play really good defense, low-scoring games. To give up that many goals, I think they bounce back. I still think this is going to be a really good series, but I agree with you. The momentum's with Tampa right now. Yeah, and, and, you know, Hedman has been the other big key for Tampa. He's a beast, he right. Uh, tenth goal as a defenseman last night, and I think the and a single playoff series like the record is eleven or twelve goals in, in the history of of the NHL playoff format. So uh, Hedman's up there uh, and a, with a chance to to set some records from a defenseman scoring standpoint. And right. Kucherov, I think, has now um, scored thirty points in a playoff in a you know a Stanley Cup playoff series, or um, and I think that's up there with records. So the Tampa Bay is doing some some good things, and they have some guys setting some personal right. records. Um, as they're as they're moving forward. Uh, on the flip side, I think Dallas really needs uh, Tyler Sagan to get going. I mean, they really need him to get going and, and to, to help Jamie Benn and to have another weapon on offense, and he's been really quiet in the postseason so far. Um, now we're going to look at a sport that's on the cusp of the postseason, and that's baseball. Uh, next week we'll get the uh, that first format to start, the, the three-game series that uh, whoever has the better record is at home. All three games in the best of three are in the home ballpark. It's an expanded playoff uh, format now, first time in baseball. Kind of interesting to watch all these divisions. A lot of teams have clinched, but in both leagues, we have teams that are kind of jockeying for one of those two kind of wild card spots. Oh, this is, you know, we've got four days left. Sunday's the last day of the regular season, um, and we're not going to have any extra games after that. So it's going to go strictly on the mathematical uh, formulas as to which team gets in. The American League is a little bit more set up than the National League. We've still got kind of Toronto, Houston. Um, the Angels and Mariners fighting for some from final final positioning there. The National League, however, though, is wide open. You've got uh, the Marlins and Phillies uh, battling it out for that second spot. Um, even the Mets still have an outside chance. Um, in the Central, the Reds, Cardinals, and Brewers are still all battling it out. And then you've still got... Behind the Cubs. Yeah, the Cubs, well, right? but I mean, they're still the battling for a wild clenched. card. Right, right. And then you've got the Giants with the, uh, st- still the possibility of a wild card coming right. out west. So these last three to four days are going to be absolutely huge. And then this playoff format is going to be absolutely fantastic. You've got a, really a chance for underdogs to potentially steal, uh, steal some series when you go to three-game and five-game um, series with pitching matchups. And then we'll see these teams move into a playoff bubble um, will be in San Diego and Los Angeles uh, with the American League teams and Houston and Texas uh, Texas with the National League teams and then we'll see the the World Series in Texas and just kind of uh, previewing a a World Series in Texas and and some some of the National League games in Texas, um, something to look at is the amount of home runs that have been hit in that Globe Life Stadium in Texas. It's uh, the Texas Rangers, I believe, have only hit 19 home runs at home, and they're you know 36 or 37 home runs on the road. Their pitching staff is one of the worst in baseball and has not given up that many home runs at home. Um, so that ballpark is not. It's definitely a pitcher's ballpark. ballpark right. And when we talk about the teams that are you know favorites to win the World Series and the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Padres or the Braves, those are all or the White Sox. Those are all 
pretty proficient home run hitting right, teams. Right. Um, so it's going to be interesting how that ballpark plays out as we go into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think it's fun. I think the biggest thing is going to be is that that first playoff series. That you know, how will it play out when it's all three games? in the same ballpark. You know, usually a best of three in any sport, you're going to kind of ping pong back and forth between home stadiums where each team at least gets a home game. This isn't the case. So I, I'm anxious to see if it's a huge advantage or not uh, for the team that's playing at home. I think it's just, I, I'm actually excited about the eight team in each division format. Right. It's I, it'll be interesting to see how this goes for baseball and if it's something that they continue to push on. And we do have a couple, eh, really just one change as we go into the postseason. Um, with the extra innings, we won't have a guy starting on second Deck base, base right. the way we've had in the regular season. We're still going to have the DH in both leagues, so we won't see the National League switch back Ooh, to the I'm not the a big pitchers, DH fan of the bat, National you know, League. Batting in their National League format, so we'll stick with the DH. However, when we do hit extra innings, we won't start with a man on second base. So, um, you know, that actually has been a pretty big scoring boost um, to a lot of these games when you look at over-unders from that standpoint. Um, there's been a lot of runs scored in extra innings with those yep. extra guys getting put on base. So it's a lot of fun. I mean, as, as both the NBA and NHL start to wind down, We've got uh, MLB postseason starting next week, gang, so that's going to be really cool. Um, we've kind of talked about all the leagues and things that are going on right now. Last week we gave you guys a, a brief kind of education on, on teasers and kind of how they work. Another thing that we offer uh, during football season is uh, the ability uh, for guests to buy a half a point or a point. You want to kind of break down that a little bit for us, Jay? Yeah, we've got obviously a lot of questions and, and buying a half and, and buying a full point. And obviously when you look at uh, NFL football, maybe the you, know, you had the Browns this week uh, laying five and a half and they go win by five and how you could have turned that losing ticket into a winning ticket right. by potentially buying a half point or or buying a point so if you're consistently out there and and losing games by a half point or buying a point or you know you think you like something it's not only offered in pro football but you can buy a half point it's minus a dollar ten if you buy a half a point it goes up to minus a dollar twenty so instead of betting 11 to win 10 you're betting 12 to win 10 you can actually buy a full point that'll cost you a 13 to win 10 so you can go all the way from five to six and in, in, in football, um, if you go on three or cross three or go on to seven and cross seven, obviously with the field goal and the touchdown, you pay a little bit of a premium. Uh, but again, the, you can buy a, a half a point, buy a full point in basketball. You can do it in totals. You can do it in NFL totals. You can do it on NFL sides. So, um, you know, one of those uh, those key numbers when you're looking at touchdowns or even in, as we go into basketball playoffs right. where these points seem to be so very important, uh, in particular the Heat-Boston series where these games have been so tight, um, if you want to give yourself that, uh, that point advantage. And the other big portion of our buying and selling half points is we also um, allow you to do that in parlays. Um, so when you're looking at the app, there's that section that says buy points. Just click on that. It'll let you get the option to uh, buy a half a point or buy a full point, and you can add that in your parlays, and uh, we wish you luck. Definitely cool, guys. So as Jason mentioned, don't forget with the app, sign up for STN Mobile right now with everything going on. You've got the, both the NBA and NHL postseasons, their seasons winding down, baseball playoffs starting, all the football that we've talked about. Of course, college football back. What a great time they have the STN Mobile app. Guys, he's Jason McCormick. I'm Chuck Esposito. This is Teaser. He was a good boy. He was a little quiet last week. He wasn't barking too much. This is Bookends. We'll see you next week.